0: Reflections on building a data mesh platform from scratch. Bottom line up front, what are you going to learn about and hear about in this episode? I interviewed Jochna Karki, who's a data engineer at Novo Nordisk. To be clear, though, she was only representing her own views on this episode. So here are some key takeaways or thoughts from Jochna's point of view. Number one, in data, especially in data engineering, people need to be curious. There are so many new innovations that may really be majorly beneficial look out to try more approaches and technologies to try those out more often. Number two, you can have happy data producers and consumers with a centralized data lake setup and still have data mesh be the right kind of next evolution. In the long run at scale, it isn't efficient to have a centralized data team coordinating all data use cases. Number three, For many domain teams, the centralized data processing and storage can be a black box. Data goes in, it gets transformed and stored by the central team, and then served back out. This can create a high dependency on experts and technology. Number four, potentially controversial. If your domain team consists of their own data engineers and data scientists with domain knowledge experts to manage their own data products if it's got all of those capabilities if they can really manage their own data products it's okay to work with multiple teams at the start of your journey so personal note here scott note if you don't need to drive buy-in and your org can do this i don't see it as that much of a major risk but probably at most a few hundred, maybe even only tens of organizations really have this mature of a setup that's where they could be working with multiple domains at the start. I would say it's rare to be for that to be the right choice. Number five, don't try to enable every tool as part of your platform. You should focus and create a good experience on the most widely used tools rather than trying to support every tool available out there. Number six, potentially controversial. Probably don't try to automate processes at the proof of concept stage. Wait until the need and impact is greater. But non-automated processes are typically tech debt. So you should look to pay down when it makes sense. Don't ignore those or, or it will hurt uh, more at a later stage. Number seven, around best practices or things like reusable components and data pipeline blueprints. Look to create centralized community sharing mechanisms, but with decentralized ownership and contribution. Try to enable that sense of community knowledge sharing and and trust. Number eight, create a process to assess if you need to make a change to your platform. What are the business needs and are you meeting them? Constantly look to evolve and improve your platform. Constantly looking to measure are we doing what we need to be doing and you know don't make changes for the sake of changes but also kind of keep on top of things number 9 similarly kpis for your platform are important it's a product after all but it's okay to start out pretty simple and use pretty low tech you know low honestly signal monitoring signals like number of support tickets and customer feedback until you really understand what's important number 10 Similarly, try to be more data-driven around building your platform, even if that data is pretty raw and unsophisticated to start. So Scott note here, try to stay away from vanity metrics, but it's okay to you will probably start with vanity metrics until you understand what drives business value from the platform. So look to move away from them, look to stay away from them, but it's okay that you're probably gonna start with those. Number 11, Democratizing data, especially doing data catalogs well, has led to less data deduplication for Novo Nordisk. Because people know where to find data and can reliably get access again, they don't copy or build something similar to ensure that they have the data they need. Number 12, quote unquote, make sure that it is reliable enough for people to depend on this data. You know, trust is crucial. Give them visibility to see how data is handled to give them enough trust to really depend on it, not just use it. I think this is really important, right? Really think about getting people to depend on it, not just use it. Number 13, finally, look to community events like hackathons to drive additional experimentation and value. If you make innovation a part of your culture, good things will likely come. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Very very excited for today's episode here. I've got Jyotsna Karki here, who's a data engineer at Novo Nordisk. Um, to be clear, though, she is only representing her own views, not that of the company. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But um, you know, she's been there since the start of Novo Nordisk's um, their data platform build out, and so we're going to talk about learning how that's worked and how to kind of start that up from scratch, how others can think about that, how you think about an evolutionary path of a data platform as well, that it's not like, what's good enough for now? How do you test that? How do you think about that? Like measuring when you need to change and maintaining flexibility so you can do that. Um, and then like, how can we even build data products so they can evolve and, and all of that? So before we jump into that, though, uh, Jotna, if you don't mind, if you could give people a bit of an introduction to yourself, and then we can jump into the conversation at hand.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me, Scott, here. So hello, everyone. I am Jotna Karki, and I'm currently working as a data engineer at a pharmaceutical company named Novnordisk and i have been do, uh, working as a data engineer uh, for almost 7 years now and i'm still so passionate about it i've uh, built multiple versions of uh, data lake and also i cannot believe like you know how many like uh, how technology uh, changes so fast and here here i am building data mesh platform today so yeah that's me <laughs>
0: And so I think that's a good place to start of kind of when you were first at the very beginning, if you can kind of take yourself back in time and think about that, like what, like, let's talk about how you got started. And then we can kind of weave in what you, you kind of did versus what you would do now. Like, what advice would you tell yourself so that somebody who's listening, that's kind of in that position of where you were. Might be able to avoid some of the the you know pitfalls or any patterns or anything that you discovered along that path, but like how how did it kind of start out and, and what were you initially kind of focused on and, and and some of that kind of what worked well when you were doing that?
1: Yes, so if I go back to almost like seven years ago, right, I was working for a, a company named Time Inc. the you know the media house who has uh, this uh, timing uh, Time Magazine. Fortune magazine money. And now they are um, acquired uh, by Meredith. So they are not called by Timing anymore. So in uh, in that company, we had so many websites and we have so many data collected and we had no clue what, what do we do about that. So what we did is we started a big data team and I was one of them. So there our main uh, focus was building a data warehouse. So most of the time, I was spending my time writing the SQL queries in the Redshift and um, some of the script, uh, like, you know, Python script or something where you script data and then put the data inside the Redshift. So my actual world was all into that. And uh, later when uh, we moved to Data Lake, then of course, we started more of a centralized Data Lake. But for me to move from this data warehouse concept to the Data Lake was nothing but more of a curiosity. So what I would suggest to everyone is be curious, be passionate. You'll always find a way. And there's not not just one way of doing things. There are so many ways of doing things. And the way technology is advancing today, right? So there will always be a new technology, new way of doing. So rather than sticking off what you have done, Uh, Try to be more curious and how these people are uh, doing and like, you know, uh, what are the new technology that could help yourself? So uh, try out and see if it works or not. Because if I look at it like, you know, um, the code that I have written, let's say two years ago, is kind of obsolete now. So I was so proud of my code. I thought, I felt like I have written such a beautiful code with my all my like you know test coverage with everything but but I'm not saying you shouldn't write that kind of a code, right? But what I mean to say is it no longer be valid and you ma- you have to move on and you have to adapt the new things that you see.
0: Yeah, so so that's I think that's the right mindset when we're doing it but like can you take us to when you were starting to build out the specific data platform for Novo Nordisk? Like, what what was the original remit? Like, what were you actually trying to accomplish, and how did you kind of start to go about that? And, and like, what what was it that you were trying to actually do at that very beginning?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, in uh, at Novo Nordisk, when I joined almost two years ago, so we already had the centralized data lake. So there. Uh, It was serving a lot of purpose and uh, it was purpose built specifically to support multiple data domains Uh, and uh, um, uh, people were really using it. They were very happy to use it. Uh, But what happened is as as we grew, right, so there were so many uh, data producers and data consumers, and they wanted to access to you know multiple data domains, and also uh, we had a centralized um, data team, a data engineering team. So they had to rely on this team in order to help them uh, build their data product. So. In the long run, it did not. It was not efficient for our central data team to facilitate or or add all the specific use case kind of thing inside the data Lake. And uh, for us also, like you know, because it was built in one AWS account, what happened is mm, there we hit the service limit of these AWS account. So then it became very difficult for us to maintain. And that's when we realized we need to have something very loosely coupled. So that we can uh, empower this data domain to uh, build their own data product. And also like in, in terms of this uh, Nordisk, like we are so big that each data domain team is so big that they have their own data engineers, data analysts. So they didn't really need to rely on the central data team to build uh, build this kind of a uh, like, you know, a data domain product. So Uh, What we did uh, there is then we introduced the data mesh um, uh, methodology there and um, we built the data mesh platform so that all the data domains can be empowered to build their own data product and contribute to it while we help them to have the centralized uh, de- uh, like you know governance and data discovery and uh, you know uh, how do we share the data across uh, these data domain so we mostly try to focus on that and which i feel like it was a right choice there
0: yeah it makes sense and and but like i'm i'm also trying to drive at the question of like what was the initial like hey here's what you actually have to do instead of like, here's the long-term vision of like the nuts and bolts of, hey, like, okay, we need to decompose storage and compute and and have this in such a way, or we need you to, you know, we already know kind of how to build data products. We just need you to build the ability for us to easily provision or like what was kind of the initial thing that you you were asked to do and if you were to do it again maybe what would you say this is what you should really focus on first if someone were to ask you like what's your advice on doing this so
1: uh right in in context of the big companies right like i first i want to take a step back and i would say like the data mesh wasn't the right choice for, isn't the right choice for everyone, right? It is valid for people, uh, for the organization where uh, you have multiple uh, data domains and they are big enough to have the understanding of the what the data product is and bring the data product mindset to it, right? So initially it was more like, we are looking for a storage solution, right? And we storage solution today can be solved very easily, right? But how do you make sure that you store just one place and within the same organization you don't have this duplicate data everywhere? And how do you make sure that you sh- you are you can efficiently share this data and efficiently secure this data? Because one of the reason also in the pharmaceutical company you need to be uh, GXP compliant. So are you going to make the compliance again? Right. So that are the questions that like helped us um, to. Be clear with our stakeholder, who is no one but another team within Nova Nordisk, where uh, we could tell them, OK, we will give you the platform where you can contribute. Uh, but what the system uh, that you the pipeline that you have, the, the stories that you have, it will uh, be up uh, within you so that you can be the owner. Because in the centralized data lake, what we were doing was we were asking them to put the data in our account, and then the you know the black it was just a black box for them. So they were like, oh, I know I can access this data through an n number of means of uh, like you know accessing it, but I do not know what, how do you store there. I do not know how do you are running your your like a you know, schema evolution and all these kind of things. So they were totally blind. But now what, with the Data Mesh platform, what we could do is they own the data. They are the owner of it. So they they are responsible. In a way, it's a shared responsibility model there where we ensure them that the data is um, has this audit trail, data has is uh, stored secu- uh, securely, data is, can be discovered by anyone inside Nova Nordisk. But they are the one who is responsible to maintain that. That's the product mindset that we are trying to instill in our uh, data domains as well.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, when you're thinking about those, those early days and like, did you work with one team? Did you work with a lot of teams? Was it like, hey, we're going to get one on, we're going to figure out how to do this, and then we're going to work with a couple more? Or was it working with a whole lot of teams? Was it like, did you try, like, h- what capabilities were you trying to do early? Just, you know, a lot of people have said that they've been like hey we just wanted to decompose storage and compute and do a little bit of processing and that was our first iteration of our platform it was that and and a little bit of abstraction so people don't have to care about how to write spark queries or whatever like how did that kind of work what what was you working with a bunch of teams or or just one or
1: so well when i joined in a very early stage of the um, uh, like you know in my, my journey in Nov Nordisk, uh, we had the central data lake where we had a separate team there who was maintaining the platform. Then there were uh, um, lots of uh, data engineers who were helping the uh, our another team, stakeholders, if they don't have a data engineers, we were building the pipeline so that you can, we know what it, where, where is the source and we were just uh, uh, putting data into the data lake. If stakeholder has their own data engineers, what they would do is they will have a client account where they will run this data pipeline and then they will put the data there. But you know, we ha- so many people within the um, company reached out to us that we kept on growing we 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 grew so much that we had to split, and then we started our this journey of um, data mesh platform. Then we uh, what we did is some of the people who were working earlier, we started working on the new platform now because we knew okay there are lots of pain point there. How do we overcome that? And now, when we uh, in this data mesh platform, we are working closely with the um, AWS professional services as well. So they have they have their own team um, team too, and we have some a few people from Nov Nordisk. So we work together in order to build this data mesh platform now even among us like there are lots of data domain who wants to contribute and we are doing these training sessions and like you know kind of a, uh, um, uh, sending this uh, data mesh awareness as well but still here we grew so vague again so now what we have done is we had to split there with the just the people who ha- who will be building the platform and also the people who going to go out in the stakeholders or out in the data domain and start building the uh, um, the data pipelines for them so that they have the pre-knowledge of how the data mesh works, but also they help these people to uh, build this uh, data pipelines. So sometimes we even work closely with another data engineer from our data domain, and we kind of do the code development there so that once they feel comfortable of, okay, I know this platform now, I know how to use it, I know how to enable users, I know how to contribute my data set there or share my data set with others or request for it. Then we we say okay now you are independent so they can um, they are empowered enough to do the, uh, do the job.
0: So were you were you working with a bunch of different domains at the start, or was it was it just one? It was multiple domains at the start because that's that's kind of an anti pattern because people are like oh we should just pick one use case and only work with that and just do that. But it sounds like you already had kind of. Um, a data function that wasn't already breaking. There were some issues, and so, but it wasn't that there was a, a breaking function, and so it was easier to kind of collaborate with a lot of them. Is that is that how you'd kind of characterize it yeah. as well?
1: Yes, because also what we saw is rather than working on one data domain, you know, the problem arises that you start use, focusing on so much on use case that you start building the platform based on the use case but what we do by working with the multiple data domain is we try to figure out what works the best for all of them how do we not build something very specific to a use case rather more generic like you know how you can let's say i'm just giving you an example let's say if there is a data pro- uh, data product how can people connect now Using it, various uh, BI tools, not just focusing on one person, because just because they use that, because of course within the company there are hundreds and thousands of tools people use. But we try to focus on what are the most generic tools that people use in within our company, and try to enable these tools first, so that. People, we still have something to showcase to people. Hey, this has been proven. This has been done. But we also enable these kind of a features inside the data platform. And, you know, it's very tricky to make, like, to choose, make a, this, like, you know, prioritize among them. Because for every stakeholder, it is important. But for us, as a platform perspective, which one to choose, which one not to choose, it's it's a difficult thing there.
0: <laughs> yeah, very much. And, and how did you, like... This is something that a lot of people are struggling with a bit of how, like, what tips can you give people or how do you set it up so that you can evolve the platform? A lot of people have talked about that the service that you push to a customer doesn't, you know, a data user, whether they're a consumer or producer or whatever, that their UI is, you know, there's a service and then they don't ever have to care about anything that's underlying that right they don't care if it's spark or it's flink or it's you know kafka or it's pulsar or anything like that so like how were you working to set that up so that you actually could evolve because like you said that the stuff you wrote 2 years ago is probably uh, you know obsolete now whether that's cuz you've replaced the technology or the your understanding or the overall approach has changed or anything like that like How are you setting that up and how how do you find what's good enough for now? What's good enough to serve the majority of what we actually need to serve right now and we'll add additional capabilities later?
1: Yeah, I think we have taken different paths to figure that out. Like, you know, sometimes we have done like... um, like we wanted to have most of the things as automated infrastructure, right? So that means you need to spend some time to build the same feature. But let's say if if just doing things manually, doing one-time setup or doing the POC helps us to move fast, we were doing that. So that helped us to enable more functionality there like um, not focusing so much on the automation part, but doing it so that we put this as a t- uh, our technical depth so we can revisit it. Um, and we also try to work in more agile uh, way there. Like, you know, what works for now, just have the proof of concept. And once it is mm, it is successful, then we try to focus more on, okay, we can work this as a technical depth later. And then we work on that to automate things. And once you have this automated thing, then it can be used by in multiple places. We also try to think more on a like you know microservice level kind of thing, where most of things are reusable components. So not just thinking about okay, this what does this requirement uh, can be how how can we fulfill this requirement? It's not about just going straight to the sol- uh, like in a solution mode, but it's more about like you know how do we make it more modular so that not just even our team but even data domain team can reuse this. So we we have come up with something like a pipeline blueprints and other things so that sp- the time that you spend now is need not to be spent by someone else like or um, like you know uh, reinventing the same will right so that they can reuse these kind of uh, reusable components and uh, um, uh, like uh, deliver their um, solution as fast as they can.
0: Do you have any advice on how people can not? tightly couple their components cuz this is the thing that every I keep getting into this conversation around the modularity and and that and that you want to have everything kind of loosely coupled but then I talk to people and they're like yeah but it ends up being tightly coupled or it ends up being much less loosely so more tightly coupled than they'd like so do you have anything that that you can point to for people to, to read up on or any advice around that, um, about how you, because here's the other issue that I have with this is that there are all these features that you might say, I want to leverage this feature, but then I become tightly coupled to this technology. And if we want to change that technology, then I can't do that. Therefore I can't take advantage of any of the features, and so then I'm just doing basic level things, and it doesn't matter what's doing it, but at the same point, I don't actually provide easy paths for me, so it's a very difficult question, and i just i I haven't been able to to get anybody to to kind of get more specific on that,
1: okay. So I can give you one of the example that I have uh, experience with. Um, so in our platform, so it was kind of a, like a huge code base in the beginning. So uh, and then we were providing this uh, pipeline blueprints where you could like, you know, you don't need to spend time on orchestrating the infrastructure, but just using the configuration file, you can just create uh, your own um, data pipeline. So that was part of our platform. And then as we grew, people started saying, hey, I want to do this. I want to add this like, you know. Everyone had their own request, and there were m- multiple data engineers. We were working together. So what we did rather is kind of a remove that blueprint out of the platform and kept it separate, so that people can uh, contribute to that even. So within uh, within our company, now we we um, we are trying to make a community out of that, like you know, so that people can contribute to the uh, blueprint as well as consume the way they want and make it as modular as possible so that it's all version controlled you can install the way you want and like you know there are uh, if you want to change the code you can change it as you wish in order to fulfill your requirement so we try to like kind of operated it out and kept it outside in a in a such a way that people feel like okay that it belongs to them as well and they can contribute not just consume it
0: yeah well and and that ability to contribute back is something that a lot of people that are having success are are kind of pointing back to, and that it it does tend to not be. And we created this, you know, a uh, data processing engine or something like that. It's more about the what are the easy paths, or hey, here are you know five sample schema. Like, can you copy paste into this your data? Does it fit? okay, it fits great. You don't have to do more work. And this automatically has interoperability. So you don't have to do any work. Boom, it's there. But if it doesn't, okay, then you might have to do a little bit more work. But like, it's also that there are potential easy paths. And that I think has been has been really important. But are are you finding on the kind of underlying technology side, that it's it's, as easy to not tie yourself into any of the specific components. Like you said, you've been using kind of the a lot of the AWS help, so you're probably using a fair amount of the AWS stack. There are a lot of people who are really worried about getting locked into a specific vendor's technology. You know, I think it was uh, Azure or GCP, one of them, recently really, really, really changed their pricing model and greatly increased it on one service for, for 95% of customers where it was like, Oh, the way these 5% are using it, they're going to get a price break. The other 95 it's, you know, uh, you know, 50% to 500% increase in their, their cost on this stuff. So people are afraid there, but like, are you finding that? Like, are you finding good ways to kind of have that, almost anti-corruption layer between your tooling to prevent yourself from going down that path or is it something where you go look like we have to make a bet on something so it's okay to to tie yourself a little bit more closely than you'd like simply to be able to get things done right rather than build it all yourself and or use only open source and and that like are, are you finding anything that you would tell people there about how what you've learned from kind of doing this for a couple of years.
1: So uh, we are mostly in AWS, as you also mentioned. So uh, for us, not being in Azure or uh, Google Cloud right now is not a uh, not a very big deal. Let's say, of course, uh, half of the company is also there in Azure, but uh, the cloud per- uh, cloud side of the um, AWS is quite mature, I would say, and I have ha, I have myself experience with uh, AWS, and I feel like it is uh, it was quite a good choice for us to build this platform w- within AWS. But having said that, we can definitely build the mechanism of how to load data when it is in the Azure cloud, right? So these are kind of a hybrid cloud that we have to be able to support there. Just because you are not in AWS, cannot use our uh, use. Our, it shouldn't be like they cannot use our platform, right? So somehow we can we help them to uh, migrate their data or build a like you know kind of a um, integration between the um, Azure and the AWS there. So. Uh, in, in at least in a cloud perspective, I feel we are we are good there. But within the cloud, also again, like you know, there are different versions of things, right? Like uh, for example, in infrastructure as a code, we we started our journey with CDK version one, and now it's coming to end of life, and we have to migrate to version two. So it's working right now, but we have to move there. So we have to be a proactive there and say, okay, we this is our uh, like, you know, do or die moment. So this is the deadline that we have. Before that, we need to make sure that everything is migrated to that, right? But of course, in case of uh, like, you know, um, big companies, uh, and sometimes with the uh, investment that you have put there, the uh, amount, it's easier to add more technical skills than buy time. So, you know, the company would be re- is ready to invest more, t- more money on it by hiring more uh, consultants or by hiring more people and uh, help from the AWS. Uh, and we are kind of have an enterprise support with AWS. So we have pretty much good support there as well. And um, uh, rather than waiting for something to happen for one year or two year, because in a ph- at least in a pharma, one year or two year of waiting time is quite a long time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And yeah, I mean, anything getting delayed or especially anything around, uh, you know, trials and things like that. But so one thing that's a lot of people are trying to figure out is when to actually make a change versus not, right? This comes up a lot around data domains and like measuring your boundaries and measuring the boundaries around a data product and measuring that. But that's also something for, for the platform, right? Where you go, how bad is this debt? Okay. We need to pay it down yet. So like, how are you measuring when you actually need to change and, and, and maintaining that flexibility, right? What, you know, I think this would be great to, to give a couple of examples on of what are the signals that you're looking for to say, this is no longer good enough. We need to, to make a change. And then how are you again, kind of making it so that you actually can make changes and that things don't become brittle. You talked about that kind of componentizing as much as possible, but is, is there anything else that, that you'd kind of let people know about?
1: Yeah. So there, uh, what we are doing is we are kind of measuring the quality as well, like, you know, not just like building things and onboarding many people there, but also giving a, like a step back and see like, is this quality good enough for us? Because first thing, being in a pharma, you have to be GXP compliant. So whatever you do has to be quality stuff. You cannot, otherwise you you will um, spend more time doing the compliance and just being like, if things doesn't work as expected, there are a lot of things that you have to redo things. So people are really, really careful about that. So for us, in order to move fast... The only way is to do well right so so we kind of look into the quality stuff there and also like you know after some of the features does this meet our benchmark we kind of do the benchmarking there and see okay do we have all this checked or not can we leave without some of them if if the answer is yes then yeah okay it can park for some uh, for some time but also try to have not just a business outlook there, but also as a platform outlook there, right? So that we we want to be like a preferred partner for the entire uh, Novo Nordisk. So how, we need to increase our bar there. So, but that, so at least for us, we as a, like, you know... Mm, and the engineers, it's more of an engineer's mindset as well that you just don't write write the code, but also you make sure that you have the monitoring, you have made the uh, data, minimum data quality that you you need to have, and all these come into the play there when you have to make a choice.
0: So, do you have like specific signals though that you're watching for for for? I must make a change, right? Like, do you have something? Is that feedback from others? Is that that the monitoring is, is kind of, do? is it just you kind of start to get a sense for it later in, in your journey? Like what, if somebody is saying, I don't know when I need to make a change because I don't know that it's no longer good enough, how do you kind of have that conversation with them?
1: So for us, that is, we see from an operational point of view, like you know, how many? Let's say we ha- uh, we have the support tickets. How many support tickets are we seeing um, each month? What are the features that we are being asked for? Like you know, like this is not working or it's not clear enough. Is our documentation clear enough for users to have a self service model there? Right. So all these kind of like we are building that KPIs. They are not very super mature right now, but we are kind of a building that KPIs where we can consolidate and see. Where should we spend our time next? Because as a platform, we do not have a roadmap, right? We do not know where we are going, heading there, right? We are evolving as we grow, right? So so for us, it's more like feedback from the users and then using that mechanism to build the next version of our platform. So that if, let's say, X number of um, stakeholders have the same request. We take it, prioritize that as compared to the one that will serve only one stakeholders, right? So, and if there is the same thing, like you know, if, X, uh, if N number of stakeholders are coming to us and saying, hey, this is, doesn't work, then we know that we need to put more focus on that as compared to some, which happens one time or with one person or something, then we can let it be for a while and we can go back when we have time.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I think so. Katie Bauer made a really good point on on her episode, which was like, where do you want people actually spending their time versus not? And so there's like, um, hey, this thing should take somebody at most five minutes to do and they're spending, you know, the average length is 20 to 25 minutes. Okay, we need to fix that versus this thing, we want people to engage with it. So the more engagement, the better, right? Like you think about the, the kind of thinking of like, maybe you could even equate it to thinking about your plumbing, right? You want to, to have zero thoughts about your plumbing on a day-to-day basis, right? Because it just works, right? There's that plumbing aspect versus, you know, maybe you've, uh, created a, a really nice kitchen for yourself that you've, you've, you know, built out your, your capabilities in your kitchen and you've got lots of, of cool little gadgets and whatever. And that that's where you want to spend a bunch of your time, or maybe it's not right. Or that for somebody that's, that's, um, in a data science role, you want them really in the the things really poking at the ingredients, but you have like the execs where you're like, here's your ready-made meal right? And that they're not writing, you know, you don't have your CEO writing a Python you know, query or anything like that. So like, are you, you said you're starting to kind of do your your KPIs. Is that, is it mostly feedback based because you're really worried or, or not really worried, but you know what I mean? You're You're focused more on the, are people actually feeling good about it or are you starting to do some as well where it's like there's some evidence whether they're telling us that this is good or bad that we can create we can generate our own evidence are you starting to kind of dig into that as well
1: yeah we are trying to see more on a user insights right so like with our platform what are we What what is our main goal we want business dom- domain to be um uh, more data-driven focus, right? Make a, a decision based on um, data. And that's exactly what we want to do as well for our platform. We want to collect the data, whether it's from their feedback or from the user insights or, let's say, some kind of a dashboard there where we even want to know which are the documentation that people want to like read the most, so that we can focus on like okay this is the where people are getting attraction so we need to put more attention to it or we want to make sure that people understand what how to uh, do the self-serve service there so i think for us uh, it's a different um, like you know uh, collection of the data from multiple things
0: it's it sounds like it's more art than science right where where you're like hey these people that are already consuming from this this data product are constantly going back to the documentation, that's probably a red flag rather than it's like multiple people are going and reading up on this. So this is a topic that's of interest, but multiple people are reading up and not consuming from this data product. Okay. Maybe this thing is named incorrectly or, you know, that you start to, to do that. Like you could, you know, people can get a little creeped out when you're like, I'm tracking all of your behavior, but it's like, Hey, I saw you, you, you did this and you didn't consume from it. Is there any reason or what were you looking for? And that you can start to do that, that kind of insight base, but it is, people want this to be a science. They want it to be, here is your platform and here's exactly how you build it. And it's like, a lot of this is just high communication, high empathy and high, like generating the conversations yourself where you don't just, it's not only waiting for people to come to you. It's going out and and going to them and saying like, why, why is this happening Or, or what are you looking to do? And, and yeah, it's, or is that your team that's doing that? Is that the data product owners? Are you like, how, how is that communication kind of flowing? And like, especially when I think about within a domain using their own data. Great. Right. Like we want to enable them. We want them to be really capable and all that. But like the cross domain queries and how that works is something that I think a lot of people are trying to figure out. Like, how do we actually get that to be scalable? Because if all we have is really, really high quality data within the domains, we've just got really high quality data silos. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wanted to touch upon also and back on the why we had to take the feedback is one of the reason being in the centralized data lake, when it is a black uh, black box, then it it kind of build this like, you know, mistrust by design. You know, people can't see what is going there and they are just trusting that, OK, like, you know, OK, whatever is happening behind this uh, uh, in, inside this black box is going well. Right. But. With this now with the data mesh where people are contributing to it, they are owning their own data product, then it's much easier for them to contribute to it. And that's the reason why we wanted to make sure that there's a trust built um, with this platform, not just with with the platform, but also with cross-domain right? So that you can request for the data that someone has put there, and you can kind of uh, know the quality of that data. And that data producer will make sure that it has certain level of quality, certain level of like, you know, security and all these kind of things, right? So for for us, how we are enabling them as a cross, uh, cross domain is, let's say, you request for someone else data. You have some data that you came up with. Now this derived data, or let's say some analytical product, right? So you then you contribute, like you know, uh, contribute to the platform, saying that hey, now this is available for other people to use, and you kind of for show that. I like I extracted this info, like I derived this information from here and this uh, this data, so that people know how it is been derived and if they should use this or not.
0: Yeah, well, and and I think that's the the big question here is like, how do you make it so that people like Carlos uh, Sauna Dreams when he was on said, I can't have my documentation be to a level that if you don't know my domain, that my documentation teaches you the domain because that's too far. And so like this cross-domain aspect is so important when you think about the scale, you think about the value, you think about, you know, one plus one plus one plus one shouldn't equal four. It shouldn't equal five. It should equal ten. Right. Like one plus one equals three. And then you just continue to scale that out, that it adds more and more incremental as you're you're building this. And so I just think that there's a lot of people that are struggling um you know i'm i'm reading back through Jamak's book and i'm doing a um a reading companion on it and like you know uh one of the things where she says is like the question is how to do this and it's like you know uh, the, how to do the interoperability and how to do this and it's like yes that is the big question like do you have anything where you would tell people this is how we did the interoperability or this is how we man- managed to make it so that there are easier paths to making interoperability or, or, you know, cross domain queries and things like that. Is there anything that that's really been surprising there that maybe you wouldn't have thought of that other people can leverage kind of what you've learned there? It's, it's a tough question because it's like, what didn't I think of that now is just kind of implicit in my head? Like what wasn't I thinking, but is there like, is there anything where you, you created some, Um, company data models or that you have some examples or that you went in and, you know, you've helped people. I mean, we're planning on talking about evolving a data product. So maybe even that you give people permission to put out kind of a non-complete data product at the start and then evolve it as requests come in. Or like, have you done anything to really assist that to make it so that people can find those, or, you know, universal identifiers, or there's core domain linkers that we use for everybody or anything like that?
1: Yeah, so uh, I I can't think of anything very particular, but I would say like, you know, these kind of a data catalog building, like how you can search discoverability of your data set, right, that has been the key important for us because uh, like, being in one, let's say, data domain, you might know, okay, like someone has some data, but what do you? You do not know where to find that data, right? Then you might end up building your own. So for us, like democratizing the data across the organization has played a big role there. When we have this discoverability of the data set and its metadata, and especially like you know, it let's say the data catalog should answer these questions, like, where can I get my this data, right? Are these like data relevant and important to them? and like, um, what does this data, uh, data set mean? And can I make use of this data, right? These kinds of a things has to be put out there so that people can trust your data set. And maybe you can favorite, rate it, right? Saying that, hey, this was good. Or maybe you can drop the feedback even in your data catalog, right? So that People, it's easier for people to find it right? than asking. Like you know, it's more like um, when it is available there, it's much easier for people to navigate as compared when you have to reach out to the person, right? And with this data catalog, also in the metadata side, you can see who is the owner of it, so you can you can request for this database if it is it makes sense to you, right? But this you. Um, The data owners, they have their own data business owner and the data steward who are responsible for accepting or rejecting the request. Sometimes you might have a very restricted data put there, but it is not meant for everyone to use. Right. Then they have to make that call of rejecting or not letting people uh, do that or maybe even like not let people even request for that data. but. Also, in another perspective, is like democratizing data. That means whatever whatever you make, it's a product thinking again, and then you put it out there. But also, I have seen like a, you know variation of it's not about just putting the data there and then it's it's it solves the entire problem. Again, it, you have to maintain that. You need to make sure that it can it is reliable enough for people to depend on this data set, right? So the like you know. Like the evolvability is important there. The mindset is there, right? So like, I don't know if you have watched the um, uh, vice president and CTO of uh, Amazon.com, Dr. Werner Vogels, uh, the Reinvent Keynote, where he says today it's so important to make a loosely coupled system and it's about evolve or die. So whether you, you have to evolve, that means you need to make sure that your data is, product is good enough for other people to use it and add more, like, you know, uh, the required information there, make sure it is reliable and secure enough. Otherwise, people will stop using it. Then the value of your data is going to go down, right?
0: Yeah, well, and, and a lot of what you said in there, I, I want to kind of uh, wrap up on the the thing about, like, setting yourself up to evolve. But I think... One thing that a lot of people miss is that the teams, you know, you said it's not just enough to put it out there. You have to evolve it. And I think we're waiting often too much for someone to come to us and say, I'd like you to change this versus you going to them and like saying, okay, you are collaborating with your users to design the best product. That best suit, you know, satisfies what they want. And that can even be that you're yourself the, the product or that you're working with another team, you know, a lot of people uh, on some recent episodes have been talking about that, you know, anytime you have a data product, you should also be hoping to derive value from it. In most cases, you should be able to derive value from it. And that might be that you're not getting direct value, but that you're providing somebody else who then is providing information back to you and things like that. But like, when you're working with teams to understand, like historically, data assets have been kind of, we have created a table, come hell or high water, we don't want this table to change, because that means that something is broken. So like, how have you talked with, with people about like creating things that are ready to evolve and that you can maintain as well, that it's not like, you know, kind of when people think about ORM and they just start creating, you know, slow changing dimensions and all that stuff and that it just kind of changes things automatically underneath you. Like, how are you working with teams to understand how evolution can actually work and that it's not this horrible, scary thing? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, I think I can totally relate that. Uh, coming from a pharmaceutical company, one of the reasons being when you have a system there, IT system there, you need to have a uh, have, make it uh, GXP compliant there, right? So it's then it's it becomes even uh, hard for these people to evolve there because that means you need to have the like you know qualified your system again, so. For us, the, one of the ways that we are doing um, uh, to empower um, the data domain is by doing something like a hackathon, like you know, within a week, uh, for a, we set up some time for a week or something, and then our um, experts, whether that is a data engineer or data scientist, they go there and then they look at the data and then say, okay, what, what does it make sense? How can we do this? How can we use machine learning model, let's say, on this and generate a new analytical product out of this? Right. So we kind of show them, show them by doing it, actually. So uh, like, you know, maybe this that is a POC level, right? It's not full flex that tomorrow you can put it into the production, but at least giving them, showing them a way that, hey, this is how you can generate. This is how you can do better. Or maybe if we have done for one thing, then we can show like, you know, you can reuse this thing. We have already built something like this. There already exists something like this. Right. So it, it helped many people kind of eye opener there in a way that like, you know, oh, we never thought about this. Right. So sometimes the right technology at the right time is really important. <laughs> for, for <laughs> yeah
0: that enabling can just be inspiration right it's, it is giving them capabilities it's giving them tooling but it's yeah so um so we've covered a whole heck of a lot I'm sure we we could probably talk for <laughs> a, a whole lot longer but is there any way that you'd kind of want to wrap up the episode anything we didn't cover that you wanted to or, or kind of any statement that you'd want to kind of focus on for for people on kind of your main view or
1: yeah uh, for now i would i i i think we cover most of the topic that we thought of uh, talking about uh, talking about but um i would say like based on my experience when you build this data mesh platform at least from the data domain perspective i feel like the product mindset is very very important the product mindset which means like it's not it's not like a dump the data and then it's there. I'm not, never going to change. Like, you know, be more flexible there. See what is possible beyond what you have thought of. Right. And how can you make most out of this? Whether it's sharing with another person, uh, another data domain and getting their data or whether thinking about more how to use more, latest technology. How do how do I make this more a, um, accelerate my uh, business outcome using uh, machine learning or AI? Right. So I think that that thought is very important. Otherwise, as as we said, like you know, the evolve or die thing, right? Like you will become your your data will become obsolete then, right? So if you want to catch up with with technology and people and how we are growing now, we need to make we need to have that product thinking about the data, and then we'll, um, then I think uh, we'll be on a good journey there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would love to follow up with you. Where's kind of the best place? What do you want them following up anything specific about?
1: Yeah. So r- right now um, I'm more active in LinkedIn. So they can, people can reach out uh, to me on Jyotshnarki. That's J-Y-O-T-S-H-N-A-K-A-R-K-I. So that's my my LinkedIn profile and um, I would love to uh, talk with more people who are building because I feel like there's a lot of things that you you can learn from each other, right? Like, you know, some of the experience that you have, uh, you can share with each other. So I would love to talk with people like uh, who wants to share their data journey and uh, who wants to uh, like, you know... um, involve in building this community let's say right so for, i would love to do that uh, be in touch with those kind of people
0: yeah awesome well and thank you uh, again so much for your time here and thank you as well everyone out there for listening thank you so much i'd again like to thank my guest today jochna karki who's a data engineer at novo nordisk you can find a link to her linkedin in the show notes as per usual thank you Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. April of 2023, I left DataStax, who were wonderful in getting the data mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest you know what what are you actually running into challenges with we also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources as always if you have suggestions for guests or topics please do get in touch as well And have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.